Welcome to season three of the Peed Space. I'm David Kerr with Pout Life Sciences. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Peed Space on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts to be notified when a new episode is released. Pout Life Sciences, sponsor of this podcast, is committed to bringing educational tools such as the Peed Space for sharing best practices and compelling conversations across the pediatric urology community. The content of today's episode is solely the opinion of Dr. Aaron Bain, board-certified pediatric urologist at Oregon Health Sciences University. In this episode, Dr. Bain discusses the results of a study he conducted and subsequently had published in the Journal of Urology entitled Parental Perception of Bladder Spasms and Hematuria After Surgery for VUR, a Prospective Multicenter Study. In this episode, he explains the study, what he learned, and how that outcome informs his patient counseling. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Bain. You recently conducted a prospective multicenter study looking at parental perception of bladder spasms and hematuria after surgery for vesicoureteral reflux, and the results were published in the Journal of Urology. What led you to undertake this research? I think that for the authors, we were concerned that there was a lack of alignment between what we would say and what the patients would experience. We had essentially been relying on anecdotal evidence our own experience to counsel families. And there's a lot of really good data about what bladder spasms and hematuria are like in children immediately after surgery while in the hospital. But we really couldn't find anything that explained what the experience for families would be like when they got home. And it's very easy to assume what families are experiencing. But we thought, you know, it would help us in our practice if we could actually have some information to give them, especially when you're trying to decide what type of surgery you want for urinary reflux because success rates are really well known for the three different types of surgery being open reimplantation, robotic reimplantation, and endoscopic therapy with deflux. And those are really well known, well published. And yet when you're talking with families about how to make a decision, the choice often comes down to the morbidity of the therapy. How hard is it for the kids to get through versus how successful is the operation? And I felt like we really didn't have a lot of information on the how hard was it for the children to get through. So that was one of the main things we wanted to do. We also wanted to just be better, be better about counseling our families, be better about preparing our families and providing them hopefully enough information ahead of time that they weren't going to be afraid or intimidated by the experience after the surgery. Can you give us a brief overview of the study design? Sure. This was a prospective multi-center, so three-center study, a case control model, meaning that our cases were focused on the open reimplant, thinking that that one was the most difficult to recover from, with our controls being robotic therapy and endoscopic therapy. We initially wanted to target 10 patients in each group from each institution for a total of 30 patients in each group and 30 patients per institution, with a total of 90 patients enrolled, with perfect balance between all the institutions. We then were going to survey the families. Initially, the plan was to do phone call follow-up at 7 to 14 days, but because of limitations of resources, we could not get enough patients called in time by the nursing staff to get the follow-up in that time frame. So we elected to change after very few patients were collected in the study to enrolling them at their first follow-up visit, which had to be between three to six weeks post-op. As you collected this information, what did the data actually show? 
So I think there are a lot of things that we expected to find that we found. And there are a lot of things that we didn't expect to find that I think are going to ultimately make me and hopefully the other people involved in this study and maybe everybody a little bit more aware of what parents and patients go through and certainly a little bit better in our counseling. So what we found, which was not surprising, is that open reimplantation is probably the most difficult to recover from. It has the highest rate of bladder spasms, the longest rate of bladder spasms. It has the most hematuria. And it and it's difficult and it lasts a long time. Uh, we knew that, but I didn't really know how long the hematuria lasts. I didn't know how long the bladder spasms last. So that was something that was new to me, realizing that they last quite a bit longer than I had anticipated. I was surprised that all of the groups reported some degree of hematuria. Now, we always counsel the open intravesical reimplants about hematuria and how it's not to be alarming. It's present. It will go away over time. But I never counsel my families after after the deflux injections or the robotic reimplantations that they'll have hematuria and yet a surprisingly large number of patients experienced it. Even if it was just for a day or two, families still found it unsettling. We also noticed that every group reported a change in their urinary patterns. So we always expect the open reimplantation to have a lot of what we would call irritative symptoms, urgency, frequency, maybe even accidents after the surgery. I don't typically counsel families after deflux that they will have a change in urination, and yet a large percentage of them did. I don't typically counsel families after a unilateral, meaning one-sided reimplantation for the robotic approach, because I don't expect them to have any, and yet they do. They reported the same types of symptoms. So that was also new to me. It was information I didn't previously know and now has changed how I counsel families. I think one of the things that I was pleased with and also maybe a little disappointed with was 90% of our families said they felt really prepared for the symptoms after surgery. They felt they understood what bladder spasms were. They felt that they were ready. And yet 30% of the open surgery patients and 30% of the robotic surgery patients said their experience was harder than they had anticipated. And two thirds of the deflux patients felt that it was harder than anticipated. And in my opinion, that's my failure as a surgeon to appropriately counsel my patients. If two thirds of them in the deflux feel that it was worse than expected, then I'm probably not setting them up for the right experience. I'm telling them it's going to be easier than it is. So I think that for me, those were the key findings that the data presented that I was both aware of and then the findings that I wasn't really expecting. Well, you mentioned a few of the key things, both known and unknown or surprises going into this study. How have the things you learned affected the way you counsel with patients and caregivers as you discuss treatment options for their vesicle ureteric reflux? I like to think that we do studies in order to make ourselves better our outcomes better and our patients more prepared. And I think for me, this study has been very important. I use it almost every time I'm counseling a family about surgery for reflux and now realize that I need to focus on bladder spasms even more than I did in the past. I always focused on bladder spasms for the open reimplantations, but still 30% of them said it was worse. So I can do better. One of the families was quoted as saying, I was told it would be bad, but it was hellish. And you know, I, I took that to heart and I said, I can do better. I can 
can share that quote with families. I can inform them that it's going to last longer than we thought and that this is really rough for a lot of you and it will go away. It always goes away. But I think for me, it was knowing that it lasts longer and that I actually have data from my own patients and from patients from other institutions where we know this. We're not just guessing and we know that that we can do better in preparing them. Even if they said 90% felt they were prepared, we can do better. We can get it so the experience, even if it's bad, they knew it was coming. I also think from this data that I'm going to spend a little bit more time talking about the change in urination. To be honest, when I counsel families about deflux, I tell them this is going to be an in and out procedure. There's really almost no pain and no recovery. And in some ways, I think I've been doing my patients a disservice because they do report that they have a change in urination for a few days. They do report some bladder spasms and they do report some hematuria. I think I can do better in counseling them. And I can also do better in counseling the robotic families because it's clear they also have a change in their urinary patterns for a few days. And that may not be something they were expected. I've learned from this paper that I don't need to focus as much on hematuria. It doesn't seem to bother families. It doesn't seem to bother patients. I always perceived personally that seeing the blood would be really disturbing and it might be, but once you know you're going to see it and that it's not to be alarmed, that it's okay that you can say, all right, this is here. It's going to go away. It doesn't have to be scary to me. So I think I can now confidently tell families, you know, this is how long the blood lasts, but don't worry. It's not that big a deal. And then finally, I think that most of the incision pain that the patients experience for the open surgery and the robotic surgery tends to be resolved in the first day or two. And it doesn't tend to be a major point of concern in the recovery period for the families. So spending a little less focus on incision pain because it's not as bothersome to the families and more focus on bladder spasms are probably you know, the biggest things that I am going to walk away from this paper feeling like I'm doing a better job. And maybe I will get feedback from another study in the future that says we've swung too far in one direction or the other. But at least at this point, this is the only data that's out there to help me guide my patients in their recovery. And I use it. I use it every time. And I, I feel grateful that I was able to get partners in this paper who would participate. And I feel that and hopefully I'm helping my patients have a better preparedness and hopefully better experience after surgery. Sounds like you've made a few alterations to how you counsel patients within your own practice. Is there one or two recommendations outside of what you might have discussed already that you would offer to other physicians that might benefit them? I think that again, bladder spasms are really everything when it comes to urinary reflux. So from that standpoint, I would really spend a lot of time focusing on that. And I would also spend a lot of time making sure that families really understand just how bad bladder spasms can be. We all experience bladder spasms differently, but as a group, they can really be hard to get through and hard to manage. And even medications are helpful, but not perfect. And I think allowing families to really realize that this is hard, the recovery from this is is difficult. It gets better. But those would be, I think, the takeaway points that I would share with other providers that it's worse, I think, than we thought. And that patients really appreciate when you've spent the time to prepare them. Because they often think something bad is going on if it's worse than they expected. So that's probably what I would share with providers. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Bain, for joining us for this episode of The Pete Space. And more importantly, for your continued commitment to caring for children with urologic conditions. Thanks for having me, David. This was a lot of fun. And I'd like to thank my co-authors on the study who put a lot of time and work into this as well. 
Thank you for joining us this week on the PED Space. Please share this episode with your colleagues while we deliver more pediatric urology-focused content in the coming months. To stay updated with the latest educational content, check out the Deflux Learning Center on deflux.com and follow our social media accounts. Additionally, you can learn more about our company and our products at palatelifesciences.com.